Hey there, everybody, and welcome to this week's Acme Podcast Incorporated. I am Laser J, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend and co-host. What's up, everybody? It's Kai. How's it going? Yep. And, uh, fresh off his birthday, I'm subjecting him to more Venture Brothers. Uh, <laughs> uh, subjecting is a strong word. Alright, well, I'm definitely subjecting you to G.I. Joe. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. <laughs> A little bit. Yeah. Um, more on that later, uh, because that's the main focus of our show. We've got introduction stuff to do. We are Acme Podcast Incorporated, and we're going to talk to you about cartoons and stuff. Animation. Uh, yeah. You can't you can't see it, but I just did the, the SpongeBob. Rainbow ima- hands? Rainbow hands, but instead of imagination. Friendship. Oh, animation. Animation. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, but before we can get into that, uh, we got weeks, but we don't have upkeep, correct? Yeah. No. <clears throat> Excuse me. No upkeep. Uh, Amphibia has not started back up yet. It will have by the next episode. Thank God. And so will have uh, the ghost and Molly McKee. Vibrates. <laughs> so that's uh the double dose of upkeep we can look forward to yeah and um we also probably plan on uh since it came out recently uh season two of kid cosmic are we talking about that yep time? we that that'll be next time we'll uh do a spoiler cast for that mm-hmm. much like we did for the first one yep uh looking forward to that but uh, that's the future, and this is now. So, uh, spoiler warning, I don't have a week. I did nothing worth talking about. Mm-hmm. So, Kai, it's all you, buddy. Uh, the only things really worth mentioning are, um, one, I watched a couple of interesting videos uh, related to animation. Um, one of them was a video about uh, Ralph Bakshi's Lord of the uh, Lord of the Rings movie, uh, mm-hmm. which I think you also watched the Folding Ideas video about Bakshi and the Ring. I've definitely seen something about Bakshi that talks about Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was specifically that video though. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. It gives you a lot of like really detailed uh, information about the making of and the. Uh, some of the weirdness that happened with that, like for example, um, during production, Peter S. Beagle, who we talked about la- uh, last time, uh, who was writing the screenplay, some of the producers were like, "Ah, Sauron and Saruman sound a little too similar," so they like tried to name Saruman Aruman without the mm-hmm. S, yeah. but like they changed it back halfway through writing the script so some of his lines are recorded as Saruman. some people saying his name is Saruman others as Aruman because this predates word processors where you just hit control F for place yeah <laughs> very very strange yeah it's, it's one of those things man and um it also goes into like Baxi as an animator and you know, 
uh, need to experiment with new animation styles and mainly the um, extensive rotoscoping that was done. For yeah, that movie. you ever seen uh, uh, the the movie he did with Frank Frazetta? Uh, no, actually, I don't think so. Oh, that that thing's all rotoscoped. It, it's just you know like. It's Frank Frazetta, so it's Barbarians, you know. Mm, okay. Um, I can't remember the name of it. I just know it's a. Fr- it, it's just so clearly Frazetta's art that it, it's obvious. Okay. But that whole thing is rotoscoped, and it's weirdly beautiful, even though it's still Bakshi's art, which is usually not what I would call beautiful, but is very appealing to me. What was the What was it called? I don't know. Just look up Bakshi Frazetta. Oh, hold on. And you'll find it. Back. Yeah, Ralph. Yeah, Ralph Bakshi and Frank Frazetta. Uh, Fire and Ice. Fire and Ice, yeah. Fire and Ice, 1983. Uh, no, I've never seen this. Ever. Yeah, I've only seen bits and pieces. Uh, over the years, I've never seen the entire mm-hmm. thing, but it the, the bits and pieces I've seen are uh, I like watching it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a real um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, real red box D and D energy. Yeah, uh, yeah. Red box D and D slash uh, Conan. Conan the Barbarian. It's Frazetta who created most of the modern iconography for Conan, really, when you think about it. He also did, um, what was the name of... Death Dealer? Yeah, 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 Death Dealer, yeah, 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 that was it. But, yeah, the sword and sorcery era of fantasy novels and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah. Really good video if you want to know anything about Ralph Bakshi. The thing about Bakshi is, like, I respect a lot of the things he was trying to do. I just don't agree with how he did it. That's the most complimentary I think you can be, really, because a lot of what he did is... <sighs> yeah, not great. Um... Yeah, it, it it's hard to say whether it is caricatures or it borders on caricature-ish. Yeah, they, the the video actually talks about Coonskin specifically in that aspect of, like, is is it racist or is it, like, trying to prove a point by making the characters caricatures? Which, but I don't... It's like, I don't know either way. And the, the, But the thing is, is that I don't think Ralph Bakshi as a white person has the authority... Yeah. To do that? Yeah. He he definitely doesn't. Um I, I think in general the trying to prove a point level of uh storytelling and point proving is not a great way to go about it in general, no matter who's doing it, but mm-hmm. it, it gets he gets even less leeway on that. Yeah, if if it was Though a... it it was it was the late 70s, early 80s, when there were even fewer opportunities in film for black people. Yeah, if it was an actual black 
director or the animation director, then it would be like, okay, you're trying to you're trying to make a point about yeah. you know how black people are interpreted in media by making them caricatures in the thing you're making. But that like I I don't how do I put this? I don't think that Ralph Bakshi meant wrong, but that doesn't mean what he did was good. Exactly. It it best of intentions means j- absolute jack shit. Exactly. At the end of the day. Exactly. Um, I don't think I ever. I don't know if there's but anything I ever want to talk about of his on this show. Uh I really want to see wizards. Oh. Or um, honestly, I wouldn't hate talking about the uh, the Lord of the Rings movie. Yeah, the further we get away from uh his like sort of like commentary stuff, and the more we get into like fantasy. Yeah. The the safer I'd say it probably is. Yeah, I don't think we can. I think we have to kind of talk. I think we just have to pick one or two of his movies to talk about, and then just talk about his body of work in the actual episode. Yeah. Because, like. I'm not. I'm not watching Toonscan. I'm not watching fucking. Uh, well, maybe I'll watch Cool World. Cool World's fun, uh, barely, but it. I wouldn't call it good. Yeah, I, I have seen Cool World. And Fritz the Cat is more interesting than good. Yeah. Uh, but, but Fire and Ice, Wizards, uh, Lord of the Rings. Th- those are things I'd be interested in seeing. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But, um, yeah, that was the it. Folding Ideas. They've done a couple. I've done some other videos, but that was the one I watched. Um, the other one, the other video I watched, which is also related to the thing we talked about last time, there's a video by a channel called Chromalore. It's like one of their only videos. It's called The Last Unicorn Death and the Legacy of Fantasy. Oh. Uh, it's it's a really good video essay about um, the themes and uh, oh, the intent and all the stuff about The Last Unicorn and, and Beagle. Mm. And um, we it, it, it kind of tracks over some of the stuff we talked about, but it also talks about some of the other themes that are um, more present in the novel than the, the movie. Uh, and some of the plot points that uh, were not mentioned in the movie uh, for ex- or uh, were not intended to be in the movie. Like, for example, I didn't mention this, but in the original um, in the book, uh, Schmendrick, his whole deal is that he uh, his master uh, froze him for like a certain period of time. And, gra- mm-hmm. and basically granted him the curse of immortality. Okay. And so, basically, Smendrick is cursed to live forever until he can become a proper wizard. Interesting. So there's a interesting dynamic he has with the unicorn in that aspect, because she is immortal. And she sees it as like, why would you not want to be immortal? He's like, no, being immortal sucks. <laughs> it fucking sucks, man. Yeah. 
because unlike the unicorn, he can feel regret and all these other things. He's not yeah. he's not naturally immortal like she is. Yeah. But uh uh it's it's a really good video. Definitely recommend it. But other than that, the only other thing that I've been doing uh was because my birthday's coming up, someone got me Darkest Dungeon. Oh, fun. On PC. So I've been playing nice. that. Uh even no, on I was going to say, that that's a nice, non-technically intensive game that should run just any laptop, really. Mm-hmm. Load times are a little long, but other than that, it runs fine. Right on. You been enjoying it? Uh, yeah, I have. It's just stressful. Mm. As as the game is supposed to be. It It's... It's a uh, isometric ro- uh, souls-like, right? It's it's two D, two D. Yeah, it's like sides. It's like uh side scrolling. Side scrolling with turn-based combat. I used to get it confused with uh, Salt and Sanctuary. Ah, yeah. Um, it's also like a lot of like the art is really cool and the the um, atmosphere and the narration mm. are really cool. Like. Things will, it when things happen and you like like you come across a random thing, you you know you do it or you do like a random action. Sometimes the narrator will like chime in. Yeah. Um. For example, like uh, for example, when you like light a torch to increase the light level randomly, he might say something like, "From a small match, a faint hope blossoms." Hmm. Little things like that. Yeah, I, I've seen little bits of it, um, enough to, I know it's not my cup of tea, but enough to know it, it has great intrinsic worth, because it, 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 it seems really cool, just not for me. Yeah, I think it's really fun to watch, because of the nature of it being a roguelike, and the, uh, Especially in the early games, a lot of mm-hmm. guides will just straight tell you your characters are gonna die. You just have to live with it. Mm. Like that's, it is part of the game. That characters. It's an will intended die. mechanic. It is not intended. A punishment. Like if your character, like, it is your characters will die. Bad things will happen. That's just that's just the game. Yeah. It's how you roll with the bad things happening. And can and struggle on, that makes the game interesting. Yeah, it's like in uh, Mass Effect Three. They, I don't know if you ever played Mass Effect Three or not, but um, mm-hmm. that that okay. I'm sorry. I just realized how ludicrous that sounds. Mm-hmm. Darkest Dungeon is like Mass Effect Three. Um, uh, I'm sorry, but uh, they have on the ship. Um, a memorial wall for fallen comrades, and ah. it starts out with a bunch of like names you've never heard before, right? Because they were like background NPCs. But spoilers for Mass Effect Three: as you go three, as you go through it, uh, people who used to be in your party in previous games end up dying. Mm, okay. Uh, and their names get added to the memorial wall. Mm-hmm. As they die, and it, it's kind of 
barely, barely like that. But yeah. yeah. The, yeah. The the thing about Darkest Dungeon that's interesting it it very much is inspired by um the tabletop Call of Cthulhu. It's easy to tell that, yeah. In this and especially from a mechanical standpoint because um a lot of the time there are way worse things that can happen to your character than dying. Yeah. Uh like once they suffer a certain amount of stress, they can get, like, random negative traits. Like, uh, they could become afraid of a certain type of enemy. Or they could become masochistic. And uh, basically, you have, like, a lineup, and based on the position in the lineup, your characters can use certain abilities. A masochistic character, no matter what their position, will try and move further up in the line so they're more likely to get hit, even if it's not advantageous. Mm. And then there's also the one that I ran into, which I hate the most. I hate it, and I want to... I mm, One of the first characters I got from the coach was a, a cleric, and she had the negative trait of being a klepto. And what can hap- right. what what can happen is is that when you go and grab some treasure from a chest, instead of it going into her inventory, she just takes it. Oh, that sucks. It's the worst. Do you at least get it back when she dies? No. It's gone that forever. Sucks. You could just randomly like, oh, there was a thousand gold in there. Guess it's gone. Too bad, sucker. She took it. That god. That that's when you start playing risky with a character. No, that's when you kick her out of the party. Oh, okay. That's when you find another. That's when you wait for the coach to bring you another cleric and you kick her out. Ah, uh, yeah. Or you take her to the sanitarium to get rid of her negative trait. No. Which also costs gold. But, you know. Yeah. At least it's going to a good purpose because you know, the mm-hmm. rest of their stats might be great. Yeah, you could also use the sanitarium to lock in a positive trait. Oh. So it's not replaced by a negative or another positive trait. That I really like. Yes. Uh, that's a cool mechanic. Also, some of the negative traits could be beneficial, depending on how you use it. Ah. Uh. Like, uh, for example... Um, well, a character could have bloodthirsty, where occasionally they might just um, intend to use a melee attack, even if a melee attack is less efficacious than a ranged attack. They mm-hmm. and you know not do your orders, but they do more damage. So maybe that negative trait isn't so bad if you use it properly, or if the the dice are in your favor, so to speak. Yeah. But um yeah, it's uh I'm I'm I've only been playing it for a couple hours so you know hmm. that that's me. All right, uh, I've done nothing worth talking about so, uh, it I I've just if I haven't been doing one of the things we've been talking about it it's been a high holiday or I've been playing Dragon Ball Xenoverse two. Yeah. That that that's it. 
I know, um, I know a lot of people be people be playing the Delta Rune right now. Yeah, but I I've never touched an Undertale or a Delta Rune, so fair that's enough. Not gonna be me. Uh, I think my favorite thing about Delta Rune is that it's an anagram of Undertale. Yep. And then someone people were like, "Wait, hold on." And they like anagrammed all the other things that you could get from Undertale and Deltarune, and there were some real interesting ones. Hmm. Yeah, but you know. All right. Well, uh, that's it for this part of the episode. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to get into GI Joe, a real American hero. We'll see you then. Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to Acme Podcast Incorporated. I'm still Laser J, and I am still joined by my good buddy and co-host, Kaiju Emperor. Let's get into G.I. Joe. Yo, Joe! G.I. Joe, real American propaganda. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. It, mm, yep. Yep. That's, let's get that out of the way right now. With This is a blanket statement about G.I. Joe, is it is fucking fetishistic with the US about the US military. Yep, it, it sure is, and it's also uh, fetishistic about just selling those little three and three-quarter inch toys. Yep. Um, but before we get into that, let, let's uh, let's get the, sat, the stats for this show. Uh, series is directed by John Gibbs, Terry Lennon, and Ray Lee. Uh, with writing credits going to Buzz Dixon, Ron Friedman, Flint, Flint Deal, uh, David Karen, Carla Conway, Jerry Conway, Christy Marks, Sharman uh, Devo- Devono, Steve Gerber, Martin Pasco, Michael Charles Hill, Steve Mitchell, Barbara Petty, Mary Scranis. Gordon Kent, Ted Pedersen, Beth Bornstein, Roger Slifer, Slifer, uh, Richard Merwin, David Schwartz, Paul Dini, Dan DiStefano, Donald F. Glut, uh, Larry Houston, Denny O'Neill, Alfred A. Pagal, Kimmer Ringwald, Stanley Ralph Ross, Dan Thomas, Roy Thomas, Jim Ward, Douglas Booth, Tom... Oh my god, this name keeps going. Uh, Douglas Booth, Tom Dagonese, David Marconi, Rebecca Parakioffi, Chris Weber, Susan K. Williams, Karen Wilson, Marv Wolfman, Jesus. and Larry Hama for character development. Yeah, I was about to mention Larry Hama because he's, he's the... kind of He did all the uh, file card bios on the back of the uh, action figures that people would cut out and uh, file away in little boxes with the toys Mm -hmm. that you can, if you go to a toy show, you'll find Ziploc bags that contain a three and three quarter inch G.I. Joe, their accessories, and that cardboard cutout that looks like a little manila folder. By the way, I want to point out we are talking about G.I. Joe, a real American hero from 1983. Not to be confused with G.I. Joe, a real American hero from 1989. No. Different shows. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, no, we're talking about 1985 to 1986. No, but I mean, this is... It's called the 1983 TV series. And then it ran up into 96. 
And then... It didn't start running until 85. Hmm. Why does it not, why on the Wikipedia article does it say it started in 83? It might have started production then, or maybe it was that initial TV special that came out in 83. Hmm. The, the toy line started in 82. Yeah. Uh, the, this toy line specifically. And then... Yeah. Ah, okay. So... Yeah, yeah. The, the original like, miniseries was in 83. Okay. The Mass Device. And then uh, the full series... It wasn't made into a full series until 85. Yeah. That you can understand my confusion. Yep, but let's uh before we keep going into that stuff, uh, we got quite the voice cast. Oh uh, boy! Narration by <laughs> narration by Jackson Beck, uh, Cobra Commander, and many other characters. Oh yeah, are uh, Christopher Collins. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also Ripper, Gung Ho. Uh, more as well. Uh, so many. Before I keep going, you got a favorite Joe? Uh, yeah, probably uh, Roadblock. Roadblock, yeah, Roadblock's a lot. I was like Roadblock. I like Roadblock, and I like Snake Eyes. It's hard to go wrong with Snake Eyes. It really is <laughs> kind of hard to go wrong with Snake Eyes. They're uh. uh Together, they're basically the modern mascots for the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, my favorite. My favorite's Gung Ho. Oh, I just, I yeah, I just love Gung Ho's design. Yeah, my favorite Cobra is uh, Zartan. Zartan's a good one. I, I think mine's. I think it's just Cobra Commander. Mm-hmm. Starscream himself. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, Michael Bell is Duke, and many, everyone's pulling multi duty. There's a lot of. Show. It's just too many. Yeah. There are a lot of voice actors in this. Yeah. Uh, Neil Ross is doing his best Jack Nicholson as he voices uh, Shipwreck. Yeah. <laughs> sure is. Uh, um and he's doing more voices as well i'm just going to list their their first yeah their for their main ones yeah arthur burghardt is destro uh frank wilker is torch mary mcdonald lewis is lady J. bill ratner is flint man bill ratner is probably my favorite voice on the show though really there's something about flint's voice that just it it's like butter to my ears mm-hmm. uh morgan lofting is baroness uh zach hoffman is zartan keen holiday is roadblock Corey burton as tomax pat fraley is ace they got someone with the last name fraley to voice someone named ace yeah it's not the same spelling for Fraley, but still. But, you know, you're, you're still. BJ Ward is Scarlet. Uh, Greg Berger is Spirit. Brian Cummings is Dr. Mindbender. 
Lee Weaver is Alpine. William Callaway is Beachhead. Did not sound the way I pictured he would. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ed Gilbert as General Hawk. Hal Ryle as uh, Deep Six. Hank Garrett as Dial Tone. Stan Wajno as Lifeline. Dick Gautier as Serpentor. Bill Morey as Mutt. Patrick Piney as Mainframe. Jack Angel as Wetsuit. John Hostetter is Bazooka. You can buy one of his... Uh, you can buy Bazooka's uh, old-fashioned uh, New England Patriots jersey with the 14 and his name on the back at uh, 80stees.com for $115. That is, That's ridiculous. That is number one. That's a, that is the deepest cut. And number two, that is a ridiculous price. Well, it, it's also... What just about every sports jersey costs? Yeah, it's still a ridiculous price, but when you put it into that context, no, not really. It's still ridiculous, but at least there's a logic for why it's that much. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous logic as it is. I'd rather pay one hundred and fifty dollars for Cobra Commander's helmet. Yeah, Chuck McCann as Leatherneck. Charlie Adler is Low Light, Libby Aubrey is Covergirl, Peter Cullen is Xandar, Rob Paulson is Snowjob. Rob fucking Paulson. Funniest names. Hmm? I was I was just saying Snowjob is one of the funniest names on the show. Oh yeah, Snow yeah. Snowjob is a very unfortunate name. Yeah. Uh Dan Gilvezan is Slipstream. Buster Jones is Doc. Will Ryan is Footloose. Lisa, I'm not going to... I'll give Francois Chow quick kick, and I'm not going to... Oh, well, I had to say Keon Young is Storm Shadow. Uh, yeah, I am I was surprised that Storm Shadow was played by an actual uh, Asian person. Yeah. I was going to uh, I was gonna call him out for the, the racism, like, the, like with Freedom, but no, he's, he's played by an actual... I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's Japanese, but I, he's at least. Uh, he's no. If I had to guess, well, we can find out. Well, I'm not gonna guess. That's not what I'm. I'm gonna just look. We can. Yeah, we can find uh, out. He was born in Honolulu, Hawaii. I mean, he's from Honolulu, Hawaii. That's that's all I've got for you. Oh, okay. I mean, that he could be Japanese. He could also just be Hawaiian. He could also just be Hawaiian. Or both. Yeah. There are a lot of Japanese people in, in Hawaii. But, um, anyway. Yeah, it's not important. It is. Uh, not important. Well, not at this moment, at least. Oh, yeah, no. uh, also, Sergeant Slaughter is voiced by himself, uh, Robert Remus. That is still my favorite opening credits of the G.I. Joe movie. Sergeant Slaughter as Sergeant, Sergeant Slaughter. Slaughter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just going to see if there's anyone else really worth calling uh, any characters. Frank Walker is also in there. I, I, I call out Frank okay, Walker cool. already. That, yeah, I think the only, the only sh- other show we're probably going to talk about that's as stacked as this one is, is, is the original 80s Transformers. Yeah. Unless we get to like Animaniacs at some point. Oh, but... yeah, that's true. Animaniacs and then like. Or Tiny Toons. Yeah, Tiny Toons and. Um, 
Ninja Turtles, probably. Ninja Turtles, yeah. Yeah. But uh, that that's uh, that's for the future times. We we mainly watched the opening five parter to season one, the two parter closing to season one, the opening five parter to season two, and the closing two parter to season two. Yeah. And the movie. And, we also watched and the, movie. the movie. And then whatever other random episodes we decided to watch, which I did watch a couple. I oh yeah, also did not get around the to Springfield that. one. That was the closing to season one. Was it? Okay, got it. Closing to season one. I believe so. Was it? Welcome to that. Uh, yeah, no place like Springfield. There is. Yep. 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 Okay. Good. Yeah. I... Uh, that was a wild episode, but uh... I think we should save that one for last because it's easily the best one. Yeah, season two didn't leave much of an impression on me, really. No. Uh. The opening five-parter left a pretty good impression. I, um, I think my favorite part of the, the, the Serpentor five-parter was, like, we're going to co- we're gonna collect the DNA of, like, the greatest conquerors, fucking Bonap- Napoleon Bonaparte, Genghis Khan, uh, fucking Sun Tzu, whatever. And, like, they got all the DNA, and then they lost the Sun Tzu DNA. It's like, hmm, we need a, a strategic mind. We need another soldier. We need someone from the modern age. The greatest soldier of our modern era to replace the DNA of Sun Tzu. Bring me Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> uh, you know, he still goes to those joke conventions and signs oh, stuff. And oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Like, more power to him. There was a... Uh, a Kickstarter action figure line that came out. Or it hasn't come out yet. I actually contributed to this back when I was employed. Mm-hmm. So I'm waiting on my delivery of those. Um, people had been asking for a 6-inch Joe line for years. Because Marvel Legends was hugely popular. Yeah. And they wanted to see you know the Joes translate into that. Um, mm-hmm. And Hasbro just kept like not doing it. Mm-hmm. Just not. And so this Kickstarter was supposed to be, like, G.I. Joe style line, but not G.I. Joe. And uh, they actually ended up getting Sergeant Slaughter to uh, license his likeness to release the Sergeant Slaughter figure in the line. That's great. Yeah. Uh, it looks pretty good. I did not get it, but, uh, yeah. Um, I think the only thing worth mentioning in terms of the production stuff is, like, uh, is this is, like, our... Second time talking about a Sunbow production? They, Is it their second time? Yeah, they did the tick. The tick, that's right. Yeah, they did the tick. And um, also, much like uh, Transformers, Marvel wrote the original like plot or premise of this show. And then uh, Toei Animation was the one who did all the uh, actual animation for it. And in, in, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Alongside Sunbow. Yeah. Uh, I do want to point out that uh, while what happened with uh, G.I. Joe is very similar to what happened with uh, Masters of the Universe, where there was a comic that came out before the cartoon did. And both the storyline in the comics and the general tone of the comics is very different from what we got in the show. Yeah, Transformers was the same way. Yeah. The, the Marvel Transformers comics are whack. 
Yeah. The uh, the Marvel G.I. Joes are also kind of crazy, and I think that's where you get a lot more of the uh, Snake Eyes Storm Shadow rivalry. Yeah, there might have been some in some of these episodes that we just didn't watch. Yeah. Uh, but I, I have to think that for a lot of people, because... <clears throat> I have a slightly different take on this because I'm more used to hearing people talk about it from the action figure side of it oh, yeah, more the, than the cartoon. The action figure stuff is honestly way more interesting than the actual show. Yeah, for sure. Um, and the way people talk about the characters is not at all reflective of what's in the show. Yes. Um and that, that's partially, these are people who watched this when they were little kids, where they probably gave far more importance and gravitas to the cartoon than what it actually warrants. Mm-hmm. Uh, but part of it could also be the comics. They probably, they might remember the comics more than the cartoon. Yeah, a lot of the time the comics were packaged with the actual action figures, you know? I don't know if G.I. Joe did that. Some of them did, but some, I know some toy lines did that, but I, yeah, I don't know if G.I. Joe specifically did. I know Masters of the Universe did that. They would put little mini-comics in. Yeah. Um, um, I've got some, I got some trivia stuff, and of course there's some... I, I'm genuinely fascinated by some of the stuff about the action figures, which we, okay. which we can talk about, but I think we could just we could talk about the show first and then get into that shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's hear the trivia. Uh, okay, so trivia uh, number uh, is related to the action figure stuff. Is um, apparently there were plans to have Rocky Balboa join the GI Joe team in the actual show. Yes, and uh, Mar- the Marvel Comics Order of Battle issue GI Joe comic uh, contained a dossier for Balboa, and Hasbro designed a prototype figure with Sylvester Stallone's likeness. <laughs> Additionally, a new character, Big Boa was added to the Cobra roster. <laughs> Big Boa. <laughs> Complete with boxing gloves, tagged as Rocky's Cobra counterpart, and a foil. A deal would not be reached, though, to use Stallone's that likeness, sucks. however. Still la vie, I suppose. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't get they didn't go for Rambo. Yeah, right? Rambo. I don't know. Uh, but Rambo did have his own cartoon show at some Which point. Is, I was on to- oh, man. The Kenner-Rambo line is fucking insane. Yeah, all the Kenner toys kind of are, I feel. Yeah. Um, the Another one about, or related to the um, action figures is uh, in the line of, in this specific line, uh, Zartan, uh, his action figure, ha- apparently, in the original run, it had a photoreactive skin that would turn blue when it was put sunlight. In the sun. Yeah, uh, interestingly, recently, uh, in the uh, G.I. Joe Classified series, which is the current six-inch line of G.I. Joes, uh, they put out a regular Zartan to mass market, mm-hmm. but then for on Hasbro's uh, proprietary website, which is Hasbro Pulse, they put out a special, like, uh, deluxe edition mm-hmm. that had a similar uh, skin-changing feature. Mm-hmm. But rather than it being heat or sunlight, it it if you put it like in the fridge mm-hmm. or in a cold area, it will turn to that same shade of blue. Interesting. Yeah, yeah which is the sort of tried to like do in the uh, 
actual show. In the show, he's, like, allergic to sunlight, and it, like, fucks with his camouflage shit. Yeah. Uh, which is a fun idea, but apparently, like, the, the toy itself, um, there were issues with it, so they it, 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 they stopped releasing yeah. it, unfortunately. Um, the tech just wasn't there yet. Yeah, there was, um, uh, the writer and script editor, Buzz Dixon, had developed a story called uh, The Most Dangerous Man in the World, which actually explored mm-hmm. the origins of, like, Cobra as an organization. Huh. And introduced the previously unseen founder of Cobra, a political theorist who laid out the groundwork for the organization but was shunted aside by a Cobra commander. <clears throat> but before the script got past the outline stage, Hasbro informed Dixon that the second season was to feature the new character of Serpentor, the Cobra Emperor. And then Dixon's idea was scrapped. That's awesome. He did, however, release an alternate history as a downloadable book in 2016. That's neat. I like that. Uh, real life Chicago Bears football star William the Refrigerator Perry became a member of G.I. Joe late in 86 with the code name Fridge. Fridge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, God. Fridge was a fr- unfortunately never featured in the actual show. That sucks. That does suck. Uh, a large difference between the comic and the animated characters, this is really cool. Is that Storm Shadow switched sides and became a Joe in the comics, but in the show remains loyal to Cobra throughout the run of the show. Yeah, very cool. Yep. At one point, then there's Sergeant Slaughter. We talked about. Yeah. Uh, at one point, Cobra was going to be Soviets, but the idea was dropped yeah. because it was considered culturally insensitive. Regardless, in the great a lot and the episode Great Alaskan Land Rush, the Soviet counterpart to G.I. Joe, the October Guard, is an antagonist attempting to get an important seal in order for the USSR to reclaim Alaska. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, man. I... I... <sighs> God. Okay. You know why they couldn't go with the Red Guard, right? Yeah. Why? The, the, that, that's a that's the Marvel right. Uh, the Marvel Russian Avengers equivalent. Yeah, it is. Um, and this is a uh, related to something we talked about earlier, where um, uh, difference between the comic book and the cartoon. In the cartoon, the rivalry was Spirit and Storm Shadow, but in the comics, it was Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow. Yeah. So that rivalry was originally in the comics, which would later be more prominent in other non-comic iterations like the movie and the uh, other animated iterations. The live-action movie. Yeah, yeah, that's why I said the movie. Yeah. I really... I've seen both of those live-action movies. I did them as a double feature one time. Mm-hmm. They're not that bad. I like the costume design. Yeah. Like, the, the costume is that center really cool, and the, the, the production is clearly high quality. Yeah. Uh... Casting Channing Tatum as Duke is a weird choice. Yeah. And casting The Rock as Roadblock is a interesting choice. I like that choice. I don't. My other choice would have been Mr. T. Mr. T, yeah. Uh, my my choice... Uh, I, I, I had a choice. I can't remember his name now. Give me a second. 
Winston Duke would be my choice uh, for Roadblock. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but The Rock's, like, zeitgeist was just, like, on the rise at that time, so it made, like, business sense to get him. Yeah, and, um, you know, I like The Rock, so. Yeah. But, I really want to see that Snake Eyes movie. Yeah, Mr. T would have been my if it was the eighties, yeah, Mr. T would have been my yeah, first choice. Yeah, if it was choice. the eighties, yeah, well, yeah, Mr. T would have been like the, the or the nineties or the nineties. The obvious choice would have been Mr. T. Absolutely. Because uh, I mean, look at him. Uh, have you ever heard of the webcomic Short Packed? Uh, no. Okay. Um. It it it's by David Willis, uh, who is, he's been putting web comics out since the like late nineties, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, Short Pact was about it was connected to the sci-fi story he did but it was like an epilogue kinda it had a couple characters from that but it was a mostly mundane thing set in a toy store mm-hmm. uh, and the, the main character Ethan uh, was an employee there and uh, he was haunted by the image of Roadblock that's on a G.I. Joe poster he has in his room uh-huh. And so every time, like, it's just, he's trying to sleep, and he's just looking at Roadblock, staring at him angrily, and he's just like, what? And then Roadblock says a rhyme about those dishes aren't going to clean themselves. Yeah, that was one weird thing about Roadblock in this show, is why does he speak in rhyme? Uh, well, rap. Oh. Rap. Like, even, even, this is right when hip-hop's getting big. And then, even before that, you had acts like Rudy Ray Moore, uh, who, he was a comedian, he put out uh, party albums, mm-hmm. which were a thing, it was just a, a funny album you could put on during a party. And uh, then you had, like, interviews with Muhammad Ali, where he would just start rhyming. I swear to God. If I missed an episode where Roadblock called one of the Joes a turkey, I'm going to be very upset. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of doubt it. I also kind of doubt it, but it would be funny. Um, Anytime someone calls someone a turkey, it's funny, to be honest. If you want to do a deep cut on Roadblock, is yeah. um what was his name? Quentin Jackson, the guy who played uh Baracus in the the eighteen movie, the 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 modern movie. Oh yeah, uh, he had a he had like a ring name, didn't he? Uh, uh, Rampage. Rampage. Quentin yeah. Ramon Rampage Jackson. He's a UFC fighter and professional wrestler. He was a light. Yeah. He was a light heavyweight champion, and a middleweight champion too. Dude, six foot one, weighs two hundred sixty-five pounds. Holy shit! 
Oh. That's a big boy. He would have been a perfect choice. He would have been. To play Road. Yeah, I would have loved that. That would have been great. No wonder they got him to play B.A. Baracus. Yeah. That movie's also fine. It. I used, I called it, when it came out, and I watched it with my friends, I called it mm. the PG-13 Expendables. Yeah. Um, But going back to the show... Um, the multi-parters are fine. They're I get why they're here. It's because like they're, it's like this is just these are the quintessential Joe stories. It's just Gia Joe trying to stop Cobra, you know. It's yeah. a multi-parter, and also like, at the time that this the this the this show was going on, we didn't do multi-parters for children's television. Uh, no, that's not true. Oh yeah, what else? Well, I mean, okay. Do you mean specifically 1985, or do you just mean the 80s? The like the like like the 80s. Okay, uh, most cartoons started with a two-parter, two or three-parter, because mm-hmm. uh, they would usually start with like a movie that they would sell straight to VHS. But this show has then more would... than one. Yes, multiple two three-parters. And you would every. It was good for. Getting kids to come back in to have that conti- to be continued. Yeah. Be like, oh, what? We gotta, we, I, I gotta know what happens. I gotta know what happens. Yeah, it's just that, like, it wasn't common practice. I think that this was the era where it became common practice. Mm. I just can't think of another show that did it, is the thing. Masters definitely did it. Um, did they? I'm fairly certain Masters of the Universe did it. And I know uh, Bravestar did it. Bravestar did do it. I'll give you that one. They had like two multi-parters in the its run. One was definitely the Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, one. the Sherlock Holmes. Uh, the other was the opening. Yeah, that that's kind of it. Um, yeah. But um, I'd be will. Transformers definitely did it too. Um, I don't know if it did. And again, I, w- I don't have as much experience. Maybe not multiple times a season, but definitely at some point during their run, it did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I don't, I'm not sure. Uh, okay, yeah, there's a two-parter. And just looking real quick at any of the other multi-parters. Yeah, Masters of the Universe had the one. One. It had one okay. multi-parter, and it was a two-parter. Okay. I don't know about Transformers, though. Uh, I I'm pretty damn sure it did. Honestly. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't really care, honestly. Fair enough. Yeah. The it just it wasn't common. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, because it was a big deal when Power Rangers did it too. Yeah. Like, children's television having, like, story arcs and multi-parters was not super common at the, at, for a very long time, truly. Because, you know, because, yeah, you know, networks wanted something that they could syndicate. You know? That's true, yeah. They just want something that people could... doesn't matter what time you're coming home from... You're coming home from school, you can just... Oh, it's G.I. Joe, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... The multi are fine. In terms of, like, singular episodes I watched that were, like, 
uh, or two-parters that I watched that were fun. There was a two-parter called uh, World Without End. Mm -hmm. uh, the concept is that Cobra has this, um, get this device that changes, uh, it, it shifts the phase of matter of, uh, and from one state, from another, from one matter to another, so you could turn, like, steel into paper, and they were going to use it to, like, get into bank vaults and shit. Hmm. Uh, and Joe, they were transporting it on a train, the Joes tried to stop them, and then, like, there's the, the the device malfunctions and there's an explosion, and uh, the Joes, it's Duke, uh, Lady J, um, I forget who all was there, uh, and three other Joes, uh, Steeler was one of them, Clutch and Grunt, okay. yeah, along with Lady J and and, uh, and Duke. And mm. they end up in an alternate dimension where Cobra won. Interesting. Yeah, Cobra won. They control the world. Um, Cobra Commander replaced the freaking Lincoln Memorial with the Cobra Commander Memorial. I've seen that screenshot. Uh, et cetera. It's like a, you know, fascist police state. The most interesting thing about it that happens is that uh, the the running through line is that one of the one of the Joe Steeler at uh, the beginning of the two parter is like, man, every time we just beat Cobra, they just keep coming back. What's even the point, man? You know, he's he's doubting the cause. Yeah. And then um, while they're there, he finds out that his it's really fucked up. There's a scene, one, number one, there's a scene where they look at, like, all the people who had died when Cobra won, and it's like, all my friends, they're dead, I'll never see them again. And then there's a scene where Steeler and Grunt come across their own dead bodies. That's fucked it's up. It's super fucked up. Like, he sees his own, like, he looks down, there's just this decrepit skeleton, and he looks at the dog tag, and it has his name on it. Damn. It's really fucked up. And apparently in this universe, Baroness was like a double agent, and he, the stealer of this universe, and her had like a, a thing, like a romance. Hmm. So she's very, she, so she's happy to see him, but then she realizes that you have a tattoo on the one arm when he has it on the other arm. You're not the real him, and she's very upset about it. Interesting. Uh, the other interesting thing that happens is that at the end of the two-parter, Duke and Lady J go back, but Grunt, Steeler, and uh, Clutch stay. So that they can help fight Cobra in this dimension, in that dimension. And they're just gone for... Uh, apparently that plot point gets brought up in uh, the IDW coming. Okay. So, that's pretty cool. Uh... Interestingly enough, uh, different continuity for Grunt and other things. Mm -hmm. uh, at some point, Grunt does leave the team, but it's to get a degree in engineering, where and he meets a woman in school, and they get married, and he has kids. Mm -hmm. That that's his continuity. Most other things. Yeah. Uh, what was another one I watched? Uh, I watched some like random fun ones, like uh, one-off episodes. 
Mm -hmm. uh, Excalibur. Uh, I, I had a feeling you'd watch that. Uh, G.I. Joe has a radar tracking station in England. While they're there, Storm Shadow finds Excalibur and literally uses Excalibur to fight the Joes. <laughs> it's, Doesn't that mean he's the does, king does, of England Does that now? mean that Storm Shadow is the rightful king of England? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, Storm Shadow, the rightful king of England. Uh, Can that be the preview bit for this episode? Maybe. Storm Shadow, rightful king. If you don't have something funnier. Uh, Storm Shadow, the rightful king of England. Um, <laughs> the other one was... Um, Oh, I'm trying to remember what it was called. Um, it was... Um, oh, yeah, Not a Ghost of a Chance. Uh, yeah. Which is, there's an ep it's basically a Rashomon-type scenario where uh. the Joes are like, oh, this secret jet we had that was flying across the ocean was shot down by Cobra, but they can't prove it. And so, basically, uh, Cobra Commander, Serpentor, Destro, Lady J, and Duke go on 60 Minutes to talk about what happened. You told me about this. <laughs> and it is just as stupid as it sounds. And it's like... The the Joe the the guy who's running the hosting show is like, how do can we believe your claims, Cobra Commander? That that this was not Cobra. Like Cobra has never done anything that would lead you to believe that we would have done this. And then and the guy was like, really? Let me list them off. You made it a deadly weather machine. You tried to blow up an oil rig back in the on the in the Gulf of Mexico. You made a metal band called Slither to try and mind control the American populace. Which I want to know which episode that was. I do too. I, I, oh, I kind of wish I had watched that one. Oh, God. I'm looking it up. Okay. Um, uh, Cold Slither. Okay. Cold Slither. Okay, got it. Uh, it's season one. I don't know what episode it is. Uh, in a desperate attempt to keep Cobra functioning and solvent, Cobra Commander packages Zartan and the Dreadnoughts as a heavy metal band called Slither oh! and turns them loose as Pied Pipers on America's I am fucking love that! Uh, here's a picture of Zartan as the front man for Cold Slither. Fuck yeah! This is this is what I want from this fucking show. Yeah. I want dumb bullshit. I want a fucking what was that one comic in Transformers? The Car Wash of Doom. <laughs> yeah. That's what I want. Um, oh man, here's a here's here's um a screenshot of just a bunch of uh cobra grunts, mm -hmm. uh cobra uh troopers standing in line outside the Department of Social Services. Oh! <laughs> trying to collect uh, welfare or uh, unemployment or whatever. Uh, this, this is what I live for with these fucking 80s cartoons. Yeah. This stupid bullshit. Uh, the last one, other than uh, the one we're going to talk about last, which is the spring, which is no place like Springfield. 
was I watched Sins of Our Fathers. Uh, the episode is about okay. Dial Tone, uh, the pacifist show, who is dismissed from duty. And uh, basically goes off to, like, basically becomes unemployed for a while. Uh, and mm-hmm. gets hired by Cobra, one of the members of Cobra in disguise to try and um, create a communication device uh, or some sort of sonic resonator that supposedly will uh, activate something beneath family, the family castle of Destro. Uh, Destro's family of castle. Course. And he does that, but the the thing is, the Joes fired him as a ruse, so that because they knew that Cobra would want him, so he was like a a patsy for Joe and Cobra at the same time. And yeah, then Dialtone succeeds right. in creating the device, and they summon Cthulhu, basically. Like a giant, horrifying, eldritch beast from beneath the castle. And then Cobra Commander is like, I will offer you all the sacrifices if you do me but one favor. And he's like, name it. Kill Serpentor! (laughs) (laughs) And it's just the Joes and... Cobra, like the ones who are loyal to Serpentor, trying to stop this giant monster from eating Serpentor. Of course. And it's kind of hilarious. Uh, it, it's a. I, I got it. Sorry. No, go it, it, on, it's, finish, it's, it's just a fun one. That's that's all. Oh God. Anyway. Uh, what I, were you say? I was just gonna say. Um, while we're talking about G.I. Joe, I just want to give a shout out to whoever runs the G.I. Joe uh, Wikipedia, uh, the Joepedia. Oh, yeah. It's like the Transformers Pedia, where it's like really sassy comments on all the pictures. Yeah. Uh... Oh, you should actually know David Wills because he's one of the top contributors on the Transformers Wiki. Yeah. Uh... But the G.I. Joe. Oh man, I I love it. I love that style of Wikipedia. Yeah, just really sassy, passive aggressive, or just funny commentary about shit. Like they give you information, and then like in parentheses, jokes. Very good. I love the Transformers yeah. for that. Oh man, I'm sad I didn't watch this fucking Slither episode. Yeah, cold Slither. Cold Slither. Sounds great. Yeah, it does. But um, uh, the most I I really wanted to see uh, mm-hmm. Flint's vacation, and uh, there was another one. Um, I don't remember. I just I just I want to see Flint's vacation and something mm-hmm. else. Oh, Cobra Claws are coming to town. Ah, yeah, that does sound fun. Does sound fun. Sorry, you were about to say something, though. Uh, yeah, but the obviously the best one we watched was the two-parter. There's no place like Springfield. That shit was why it, it was straight up like uh, a Twilight Zone type bullshit. It, it was fucking fuck ass. Uh, 
if any of you ever watch any one episode or two episodes from the show, watch There's No Place Like Springfield because it is so beyond the usual um, tone of this show and any and most of the uh, most animated shows of this time and it is yeah. way high concept compared to everything else in this show um and i i want to talk about it but i feel like i don't want to spoil it honestly it it it's real good i yeah if the rest of the show had been on this level i would have put more time into watching more of it yeah but there was no way, you know. It was a, no, there was no way in hell. This this was a syndicated yeah. show made to sell toys, like. Yeah, but uh, I I think to give it a comparison, um, what was the name of that episode, that TNG episode? I With, don't I don't know. Uh, hold on, that's gonna bug the shit out of me. Um, I'm not as big a Star Trek fan as I once thought I was because I was mis for a long time I was mistaking DS9 for uh, the next uh, generation. The Inner Light. The Inner Light. The Inner Light um, is uh, this concept refined. Ah. It's Picard and the crew find a alien object that holds the memory of one person who lived on a who lived on a dead planet a long time ago. Interesting. And Picard lives through his life, slipping in and out of the memories and reality, not knowing which one is which one is which. That that is genuinely interesting. It, I like that. A it lot. is considered the best episode of TNG. Yeah, it's not my favorite one, but it's I see why it's considered the best. Uh, my thirteen for those who want to know my thirteen G episode is the Measure of a Man, where uh, Picard and Riker ha- are basically Star Trek Command wants to claim Data as property, and not a human per and not mm. a person, mm. uh, or someone in Star Trek like someone in Command wants to claim him as property so they can re- they can take him apart and research him to make more of him. Yeah, and then Picard is like, no, he's a sapient being; he has rights. And so it's a court drama where um, the the guy who's trying to get Data gets to choose his representative. And Picard is representing Data and trying to prove that he's a sapient being. And Riker has to prove that he isn't. But, and the thing is, is that, like, he could, like, throw, but he would be court-martialed and you know, he yeah. has to do his due diligence, unfortunately, despite his yeah. misgivings about trying to prove that Data is not a safety being. Mm. Very good episode. My favorite episode, easily. But um, this is not a, this is not this is not a Star Trek podcast. There's a lot. There are a lot of Star Trek podcasts, and we're not and we're not one of them. We we talk about <laughs> Star Wars way more than before. <laughs> Talk about next generation. Though we we will one day do lower decks. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, if they ever do any more Star Trek animation, we'll probably do that too. Let's do a lower decks with the original animated series. Oh God, that is 
Yeah, I almost don't want to watch that, but it's too good not to. Yeah. I'm just going to be horny over the cat lady, so. You know. <sighs> we could we could just pre-record that right now. We both say that there's really nothing of quality in the show, and then you just so, ooh, cat lady. Ooh, mm. sexy cat lady. And then you rub your nipples. And, ooh, sexy cat lady who... A lot of the time in the animation, makes a, the, the animation makes her look like she's cross-eyed. <laughs> oh. oh, very funny. Anyway. All right, that's G.I. That Joe. That is G.I. Joe. Uh, uh, the only other, like, G.I. Joe is one more interesting in terms of, like, the action figure stuff, truly. Like, it created uh, look, the entire concept of an action figure. Yeah, well, I'll I'll do a quick rundown of that. Yeah, real sure. Quick. You're the, you're the toy uh, guy. Yeah, so it's uh the '60s, and Barbie's big shit. Like it's a it's the big hot shit, big deal. Everybody loves it. Uh, Mattel is raking it in. Hasbro needs a piece of that action. And they're uh, they're not having a lot of luck getting something quite as popular. And then someone there, I think he's... I don't think he... He's just one of the toy designers. I can't remember his name. Uh, he, he comes up with the idea of... Basically a fashion doll for boys based on soldiers. Uh, and the guy in charge of Hasbro hates it. Because a fashion soldier doll, that that's stupid. Uh, but then he's like, no, 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 no. It's got kung fu grip. It's an action figure. And the Hasbro guy is still like, no, I hate that. His son comes. The Hasbro's management shifts over to the son. Actually, no. No, no, that's not how it goes. The the Hasbro guy does... the the, the the Hasbro guy at the time does eventually give it the go-through, and it's usually popular throughout the 60s and the early 70s. Um, they eventually leave military. They start doing, like, space stuff. Ad- and Adventure. And... Yeah, adventure They mainly stuff. did that because of uh, the uh, bad, bad feel-bads about the Vietnam War at the time. Yes. Uh, also, over in England, it's known as Action Force. Uh... 80s rolls around, and uh, oil prices have never been higher. And that's important because plastic is made of oil. Uh, And Star Wars just had major success with the Kenner's three and three quarter inch line of figures that only have the five POA, you know, head turns, arms move up and down, legs move up and down. Um Hasbro's like, well, we gotta, we gotta get in on this three and three quarters inch shit. This is cost saving, and we can also do vehicles and shit like that. And they're like, it's perfect for GI Joe, and so they uh, they start designing new characters, and then they uh, hand these designs to Larry Hama over at Marvel Comics uh, to come up with backgrounds for them, and then they, you know, they get it through. They put out the figures, they put out the vehicles. Uh, comics come out based on Larry Hama. Well, Larry Hama does the comics. And then the the five-part uh, 1983 special comes out. 
And then 1985, the uh, TV show comes out. And we go from there. The legacy, the legacy yeah. of G.I. Joe. Yeah, you get stuff like uh, G.I. Joe Renegades, G.I. Joe Resolute, uh, Revenge of Cobra, uh, G.I. Joe Extreme, G.I. Joe Sigma 6. Yeah, Sigma 6, yeah. Um, um, but, but yeah. None of the animated series, unlike Transformers, G.I. Joe has never had another super successful animated series after this one. Nope. Uh, you'd think Resolute would have had success because it was in that same uh, animation block as like Friendship is Magic and uh, Transformers Prime. Yeah, you would have, but it was just kind of ass. Yeah, yeah. C'est la vie. And Sigma Six uh, had the uh, unfortunateness of everyone thought it was too anime. Mm-hmm. All the all the G.I. Joe fans were like, what is this anime bullshit? And it's uh, it's a little anime, but it's not really... The action figures were, I think they were 8-inch, and they were had, like, real, like, exaggerated proportions, and it just the, didn't The funniest good. thing about all those people complaining about G- fucking Transformers or G.I. Joe... I've heard this complaint about Transformers, too. Like, what is this anime bullshit when they were talking about, like, Prime or whatever? Mm. It's like... You, you do know that, like, Toei did the animation for the original show, right? No? Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, you don't know that because you're fucking stupid? <laughs> yeah, but stylistically, it wasn't, like... No, but, I mean, it's just funny. Yeah, it is. When um... you think about it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then you start to think, uh, and then the, and then you start to get into the conversation. What even is anime at that point, really? But we, that's not, that's, that's not a convers, that's not a conversation I want to have right now. No, no. Um, I do want to go to uh, look at GI Joe Extreme real quick. Yeah. Uh, as that was GI Joe from when we were kids. Mm. Uh, that was like a mid '90s reboot. Or early to mid '90s reboot. I think it was like '95, '96, mm-hmm. and um, it the the action figures were a major downgrade. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever heard people refer to uh, the character, the Star Wars characters in the Power of the Force line as like the Muscle Beach version characters of the characters? Uh, yes, I have. This is the same thing, like. So suddenly proportions are crazy, Ooh. and the, the figures are more statically posed. Okay. Um, because original nineteen eighty one, I think is no nineteen eighty three or nineteen eighty two, nineteen eighty three is when the. I'm pretty sure it was eighty one. It was eighty one or eighty two when the figures hit the line, hit the market. Uh, they had a a system that was called the O ring, mm-hmm. where it was. There was like a metal ring inside the torso, and then the limbs were connected to that ring with rubber bands. Yeah. Uh, and that gave for really good pose, like uh, articulation. And then you had elbow joints, knee joints. The head could still just swivel, mm-hmm. and but it, it was more than what Star Wars had. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. But so GI Joe Extreme was a big drop down but it was 
had some cool character designs, but the actual figures were bad. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's all I've got to say. Uh, oh, 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 actually, there's one. We would be remiss to not bring it up. Um, yeah. The Fensler Films PSA redubs. Oh, yeah. I'm a computer. Uh, I've pork chop sandwiches. I haven't seen those in forever, man. Yeah. Yeah. What? We have, we have armed you with knowledge, friends. And remember, knowing is half the battle. T- the other half is twenty-five percent red lasers and twenty-five percent blue lasers. We'll be right back. <laughs> Sorry, did I cut you off there, no, bud? I was just, I was, it took you a second to get to the queue of armed you with knowledge, and you, and as you know. I, I was half expecting you no, to no, say no, I was, I was, it's a thing, and this is still going in the episode. Okay, cool. Great. Perfect. <laughs> I was kind of expecting you to say it. that. That's the only reason why it took me. A okay, second. yeah. Um, we didn't. We didn't. We didn't pre-plan uh, this. Yeah, uh, that knowing is half the battle. The other half is twenty-five percent blue lasers at twenty-five percent red lasers. There's also a T-shirt available at eighties tees, eighties tees dot com, which are not a sponsor, but they have some good T-shirt designs. They but they're damn expensive. Yeah, you're paying a lot for the the brand. Yeah, it's not worth it to it's me. But if I could, I never want to spend more than $25 on a t-shirt. Me neither. Um, $25 is like my outside limit, really. Maybe you could convince me of 30 If I If, if I can't like... get the shirt or something similar to it anywhere else, I might pay like 30 something dollars for it yeah like there's like for smaller bands where your only option is their website or going to a live show i'd be willing like Uh, that that skeletor that eternia gym skeletor shirt i wouldn't pay 40 dollars for it but i'd pay 35 for it yeah i'd pay 30 i'd pay 30 yeah um uh, but uh, licensing is a bitch. So. Uh, that's it for this segment. We're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to go to Venture Brothers Season 5. We'll see you then. Oh, sorry, I meant, didn't mean to burp in the middle of that. We'll see you then. And welcome back once again to Acme Podcast Incorporated. Uh, I'm still Laser J, still joined by Kaiju Emperor. The Venture Brothers Season 5 is what's up. Yeah, short season. But if we include the Venture Halloween and Ladle to the Grave special, short, whatever the fuck you want to call it? Special. Ladle to the Grave should technically have been part of Season 4. I don't know why it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, but it does actually have plot relevance to the overall overall arc of this season. Yeah, and that plot point does come up in this season, so, you know, it's fine. Yeah. Uh... Very Venture Halloween is also very important to this plot because it basically explains Dean's whole deal this season. 
Yeah. And... Yeah, that's important. I like the Venture Christmas per- more personally, but... Yeah. It's, it's good. But, um... This is, this is um, where we get to the point where I haven't, like, seen every single episode of Venture Bros. Like, I've, I've seen a couple of these, yeah. but I wasn't catching it regularly like I was before seeing it rerun as much. Got it. So, 5, 6, and 7 is where I'm, like, my knowledge of the show really does start to, like, drop off. Okay. Um, season 5 is where I started watching it as they aired. Uh, I saw before this I had just kind of seen a couple of random episodes here or there until I was like this seems fun I think I'm going to check out the entirety of this and then I did and then season 5 came out and I was like oh boy Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Spanakopita (laughs) Spanakopita but no that's that's not where we should start Uh, let's start with the Halloween um, got J.K. Simmons guest starring. Oh yeah, he was. Yeah, J.K. Simmons. Uh, and uh, Dean finds out he's a clone. Yeah, Dean finds out he's a clone. He knew he had clones, but he didn't know that he was a clone. Oh yeah, he thought he was. Yeah, because at the end of uh, one of the seasons, he saw a bunch of his clones, but he didn't realize that he himself wasn't the original, which fucked him up. Yeah, because uh, uh, Venture and Brock, uh, Rusty and Doc, <laughs> Rusty and Brock uh, covered it up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, with like a, oh, you've opened your Christmas present too soon, uh, sort of thing. But yeah, yeah, then yeah, yeah, and then that's Dean's entire character arc in the season is him being super depressed and goth. Originally, About. yeah. Originally, because of you know Triana, uh, but then this becomes an existential crisis. Yeah, you know what? Understandable. Yeah. If I found out I was a clone, I'd be a little fucked up about it. Not gonna lie. I, I honestly think I would have the Hank thing. I, I genuinely think that. I, I don't. I don't think I would have that issue. Mm-hmm. It just depends on all the details. Like, is my clone still, is like the original still alive? I guess that's important, yeah. Like, could I, could I meet the original? Which, and then you start to get into the quandaries of meeting your own clone. You know. Hmm, yeah. But, the show doesn't really get into that. It's just more Dean being all depressed yeah. about it. Um, and Hank having the most Hank reaction to that that he could just means I'm the best me. I'm the one that survived. I'm like I'm some sort of weird Highlander or some <laughs> whatever the fuck he said. Something he, like that, yeah. Some sort of weird Highlander ninja, whatever the fuck he said. It's amazing that Hank. All the weird shit that they go through, he's the most well-adjusted. Yeah, he just takes it kind of with in, in, in stride. Yeah. I think my favorite line is the one where he's asking Al, uh, like, he, he clearly doesn't understand how homosexuality works. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
uh, uh, Jefferson. Jefferson. I can't remember the the last name. The vampire pun part of his name. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't remember either. Jefferson Twilight. Jefferson Twilight. Uh, yep. Jefferson Twilight asks him, "Aren't you the least bit ashamed of your own ignorance?" And he just goes, "Yeah, constantly." <laughs> That's why I asked so many questions. Yeah. Oh God, Hank. I love Hank. I, I that that's just gonna be the thing you see more as this show as we go further into the show. It's just gonna be me repeating. I love Hank so much. Mm-hmm. Um, we also in this season saw way more of. This is where Pete White and Quiz Boy kind of become like main cast members, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, like yeah, because before they just showed up occasionally. Yeah, because like there, I think this this is where they start a little back, a little bit backing off of hatred, and they have yeah. them filling the the role of foil to Rusty. Yeah, and B plot stuff. Yeah, although they did, and they also got their own arch. Yes. Mm. Yes. Saint Cloud. Augustus Saint Cloud. And here we have Augustus Saint Cloud, the worst dressed supervillain of the of the early twentieth century. <laughs> mm, and quiz boy. I will also acquired an albino, but a much more rare one compared to yours. Come PY. <laughs> Oh God! Fucked, fucked up. Yeah. Oh, and then in the Spanakopita ep- episode, the <laughs> the uh... albino code. Yeah. <laughs> it's the albino code. Is al- the al- it's much more powerful. It's much more important to him than his loyalty to the state cloud. Now my state py. Now my state. Oh, this I, season, I... I liked this season a lot more mainly because a lot of its jokes didn't rely on like um it's uh, the 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 stuff that it sort of had fallen back on in previous seasons it wasn't transgender jokes it wasn't uh for the most part it wasn't hatred pedophile jokes it wasn't it wasn't uh gay jokes it wasn't gay jokes it wasn't like genuinely offensive humor like it, it fell yeah. back on a lot of that stuff most of the time, but I think this is really where a lot of their humor is like. Let's just try and be funny without having to resort to, you know, yeah, being, I, I being juvenile and offensive. I could definitely see someone who is albino being mildly offended by some of the things. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but it it's not like egregious i'd say yeah like but i'm also not an authority on that yeah so. me either. like the the joke about like i would literally turn to ash and burn up in the sun it's like but yeah that's just an ex- like obviously that's an extreme but there's nothing like i mean it's like what i say when i like when i'm trying to explain the severity of an allergy to someone exactly but at the same time we're not we, we can't speak but, you know. No, but I mean, I, I can't speak about like my allergies. Oh but... yeah, me too. Sniffly bitch up in here. Yeah. 
uh, uh, I get I get real congested. I have chronic sinusitis, my dude. I feel you, but mm. I also have like other re- like swelling reactions and hives reactions. And yeah, whatnot. all all I get is the uh, the 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 sneezing and the um the congestion mm. and the the deviated septum. I, I we're getting off topic, but mm-hmm. I have a skin condition. That I don't want to get into the specifics of it, but there's only one drug that is really effective on it, mm-hmm. and I'm allergic to that drug. Oh. And my reaction to that drug is another skin condition, which is hives. Yeah. Um, this is kind of going back to... Fate. Yeah, this is kind of going back to going back to the story of fate. This is kind of going back to um, something we said the last time we talked about Venture Bros. Yeah, I think it was a little unfair. Uh, and that nope. was when we found out the thing about Dermot's mom and Rusty. Okay. And it was like we were saying, like, man, Rusty is such a piece of shit. But it, like, he I tries think, to own up to it. He tries to one, he tries to own up to it, and two, that he didn't know. It's not like any. It's not like he. Like he felt bad about it, like Rusty is a like Rusty is a lot of things. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try here to defend Rusty Venture, but you know I'm not gonna give him shit for something that I shouldn't. Okay, but I think when you're dealing with someone who's the president of your fan club, you kind of have to assume they're like 15. Yeah, you know that Uh, I'm not saying he does try to you know, do the right thing. He tries to, like, you know, be there, but... Yeah. And he does, he does feel bad. He does feel bad about it. Like... Yeah. Which... And then he does, as the season goes on, he does start trying to be a father figure to Dermot, kind of. Or at least an authority figure. Which he needs. Which I think to him is the same thing. Well, I mean, he needs that. Yeah. Considering. But... Yeah, he's not getting it from Rusty. No, he's not. The... the... <laughs> So I'm I'm willing to give him credit because we never see Rusty feel bad about literally anything. So the fact that he feels no. bad about that, I don't know. Yeah, it's I'm 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 willing to give him some credit, not a lot, but some. Yeah. And God damn it! I can't believe that fucking Spanish Cuphead episode actually made me feel bad for him. Oh, it's easy because. It's it's that cyclical shit, you know? It, it's that cycle of abuse. Yeah. Type thing. Um, where, like, he was neglected and abused, but he's still a piece of shit. It just, we have a reason for why he's a piece of shit. Yeah. There's a reason why he's a piece of shit. It's just, you know. He's... He's... Trying, question mark. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I, I talked about this earlier on, uh, where I was going on about how they try to make him sympathetic, so later on when he does something utterly douchebag horrific, it, it really drives home how big a douchebag, because they've just done a couple sympathetic things. Yeah. Like, and no, no. I was just going to say, like, this time, the douchebag horrific thing was earlier in the season than in this one but the 
the entire his 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 entire character art or his just his entire presence in what color is your clean suit yeah like oh he's just out of phase did you finish my shielding help me yeah yeah that's great <laughs> meanwhile dr girlfriend actually saves the day <laughs> meanwhile dr girlfriend saves the day again uh... fucking god and then we got some of the side plot stuff with the uh, Brock and OSI and Shore Leave and all of them too. Yeah, uh, th- that's why I wanted to pair this with uh, with GI Joe. Yeah, we also had the, this episode where the old Sphinx agents came back too. So yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, uh. and uh, Shore Leave. Kind of, it kind of makes more like I thought when I I hadn't seen GI Joe when I first saw like Shore Leave, mm-hmm. so I thought it was just because like Shipwreck's an easy design. Everyone knows the sailor from GI Joe. Yeah, but he he's a more important figure on the show than I thought. Because mm-hmm. I didn't think there'd be a lot of ep- I figured he'd be constrained to a boat, so I didn't think there'd be a lot of episodes for the sailor to be on. But he's, no, he's in a, pretty, a lot of them. He's a pretty prominent member of the the show. And he's also sassy. <laughs> Very. Yeah, I mean, he's just a Jack Nicholson imitation, but yeah, Jack he's Nicholson incredibly talk. sassy and sarcastic. Jack Nicholson talking to a parrot. Yeah, so Shoreleaf actually kind of makes some sense for why he's the flamboyant gay one, I guess. Kind of. They, do, they don't really tone him down, but they do tone Al down a little. Yeah, but we only see him like a couple times. In the in this, yeah, he. That, it was mostly last season that they start to tone him down, but then he doesn't really show up much from here on out. I'm sad we don't see Orpheus all that much this season. We saw him like the once in the, yeah. one of the episodes, which I'm I'm sad about. I like Orpheus. We're sadly kind of getting. They're in maybe one or two episodes in season six, and I don't think they show up at all in season seven. I haven't bummer. seen season seven since it first aired. Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah. The 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 two people that I think to get the most character development the three people who get the most character development this season are like Gary. Gary. Um yeah. Hank and, and Dean, obviously. Yeah. The actual Venture Brothers plus twenty one. Yeah, plus, plus Gary. And Monarch to some extent, but like more so Gary. Yeah. Not I eh. A little bit, but not really. Mostly it's bit, like that really. fucking whatever that photo is about where he's playing with rusty venture as a child i guess yeah that is his entire character arc next the next two seasons i mean that makes sense he's like yeah "Ah, i already tortured dr venture i'm moving back to my home like my old house like it just and then of course gary would probably want to like if he sees the photo he'd be like dude you gotta find out yeah you gotta know Oh, oh man. Have you not seen season six at all? No, not at all. Oh, I'm so excited. Um, I, I, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but we get a new level. There's a reason why I want six to be paired with Invincible. Isn't that where they Red Death... They go hard on the superhero Isn't tropes. that where Red Death shows up? Red Death shows up in... Yeah. 
Uh, you also get the Avengers and Justice League ripoff characters. Yeah, okay. Uh, you also, but you also get uh, as a running theme, you get a uh, a Green Hornet ripoff character uh... called the Blue Morpho. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't want to give you any more detail than there's a character called the Blue Morpho. Got it. Uh, Good to know. And it's a Green Hornet parody, but it's so much more to it. And it ties into Team Venture, and but that's all I'm telling you. Yeah. Um, I did think it was funny that Orpheus is the one who reveals that Dermot is a Venture. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. No, that's not how it happens. No, but like Orpheus reveals to Dermot that he is a Oh, to Dermot, yeah. To reveals Dermot. to Dermot, yeah. Yeah. Like to Dermot himself. Yeah. That's what I meant. Like, okay. now Dermot knows and it's because of Orpheus. Yeah. I did really love that exchange between them where it's like, so like, oh, are you going to like erase their minds or go back in time or whatever? No, I'm just going to like destroy the criminal records and get a cab. <laughs> like, that's lame. Oh, I'm sorry. With me appearing out of thin air and using my magic to make them all fall asleep, not cool enough for you. Does this happen to you a lot? <laughs> Fucking love how I love Sassy Dr. Orpheus. Yeah, I would watch an entire show that's just Dr. O and Dermot. Yeah, I would too. I would like, uh, I would love the triad with occasional appearances by Dermot. I was thinking more like, for some god awful reason, Orpheus takes Dermot as an apprentice. Ah, oh, they're really funny. And sometimes the the triad shows up. Yeah, that I I just want an Orpheus spinoff show. I do too. Just in yeah. general. I don't think, even if the show hadn't gotten canceled, we're lucky we're getting a movie. I don't think we ever would have seen a spinoff. Yeah, like if you would, uh, you would probably make it like a parody of like stuff like Supernatural and Buffy, you know? Yeah, which I don't know if the, the problem is mm-hmm. the writing room consists just of Jackson Public and Doc Hammer. Yeah, they've had one other guy in there who's one of the guys who helped initially develop the show with them, who they knew, uh, who Jackson Public knew from. Uh, back at the uh, back at the tick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but who was not really all that involved beyond one episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just those two guys, and I don't think they have any interest in doing a spinoff. Right. So. It, yeah, it feels like that could be a comic. There absolutely could be, but again, they, I don't think they have any interest in doing that. Yeah, it, it sucks, because there's potential for a, yeah. a Orpheus spinoff comic. Or... They probably would have kept Venture Bros going as long as they could have, which yeah. is why we're getting the movie, at least. Exactly, yeah. But I, they take so long between episodes, and they don't let anyone else into the creative process. There's no way in hell they'd ever like greenlight a spinoff that they're not in control of, and they're not going to do that when they also take two to three years to work on a season of eight episodes. Yeah, which good and a bad thing. Yeah, it, it's better than too many cooks, but it's also just 
it doesn't leave a lot of content for fans. Yep. Yep. But, you know. But fan fiction. Fan, fan fiction. fiction fan oh, I'm comics. sure somebody has written a Dr. Orpheus spinoff thing. Oh, absolutely. There's got to be. You know what? Live on air, let's look at... Fanfiction.com. Fanfiction.net. Fanfiction.net. I was going to go to AO3 because I thought that was the popular one. It is, but Fanfiction.net also exists. So, like... Okay. Uh, uh, cartoons. cartoons. Venture oh, Brothers. Uh, Would it be The Venture Brothers? Probably. I, uh, they don't seem to have anything under just The, so it would be Venture Brothers. Yeah. Venture Brothers was 147 fics. Yeah, it might be an AO3. Uh, let's just see what we can come up with from here. Let's Dr. Orpheus and let's do by uh, and sort them by favorite. I was just going to do it by characters. Okay. Um they don't, under characters, they don't seem to have The Alchemist or Jefferson Twilight. Oh, wait, hold on. Here we go. And no, nothing, nothing interesting. There are two fix feature. Wait, what am I looking at? What are. Okay, let's look at all ratings. There are four fictions involving Dr. Orpheus. That's, and they mostly that's, seem that's sad. to be... That's sad. Uh, let's see. There's one that... The Master convinces Orpheus to ask Rusty out on a date. Uh, uh, the more the magical underground world is revealed as the one person who tries to keep it all together, steps back into the lives of Byron Orpheus and Pete White. Hmm. Humor romance, so shipping Orpheus with Pete. Yeah. Uh, this story neither diverges secrets of any kind, nor does it have anything to do with Attila the Hun. Just a whirlwind romance between a robot and a necromancer. It's, oh my god, it's a ship between Orpheus and Helper. That whoever wrote this is a fucking galaxy brain, clearly. It's called Leadership Secrets of Attila the Hun. Mm. It's six chapters, it's one thousand four hundred and sixty two words, and it was published in two thousand nine. Oh god. Then the last one is Dr. Orpheus and Triana reluctantly reminisce about Triana's estranged mother, inspired by a song by Iggy Pop. Hmm. And it's under the genres of family hurt comfort. It's one chapter. So let's look at AO3. Dude, no, let, no, no, I don't want to do this on air. Let's do this on our own time. No, I'm curious, and I don't think I have all that much more to say about the show, to be honest. So. Okay. Do, do, do. 538 fix, so that's a bit more. There are 43 that include Orpheus. Excellent. Um, 
lots of rusty Orpheus shipping. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Yep. Yeah, lots of rusty Orpheus shipping. Uh, that's a... I, that... I could see them in an odd couple situation where it's not actually romantic. It's just two people who should not live together are living together. I mean, they they do. Not really. They're not roommates. Mm. They're landlord and tenant. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, this was dumb. Okay. Yeah, Uh, there was. Venture Libre was fun, uh, seeing... That, yeah, that was... Yeah, one, seeing Venture shining again, and two, we see Hank... The Bat. Not just... I, I was genuinely surprised at how competent he was in that. He grew up... He he was high off cocoa beans, and uh, he, he grew up watching Brock. It, it's more of when he tried to join Sphinx. The, He's incredibly competent. The 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 one that got me was like when he killed the giant crab and then turned it into a car. Yeah. Like, I'm genuinely impressed, Hank. <laughs> Listen, he give him some Adderall and boom. <laughs> give him some. Give him some fucking. The thing about Hank is that, like, he's got the potential. He just needs the, the direction. Yeah. And he's been doing all the same, you know, uh, learning bed shit that Dean has been doing. He just doesn't care. Yeah. But he still has all the knowledge, I bet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He just, yeah, just needs, someone needs to, like, hone him. He is a blunt instrument. Yeah, he is. A very dangerous blunt instrument, but a blunt instrument nonetheless. Uh, yeah. And I'm sure we'll do more with that as the show goes on. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the end of Season 7 is... The, season 6 and Season 7 are really a showcase for Dean. Mm-hmm. Not Dean, I'm sorry, for Hank. Ah, okay. For Hank. Got it. They're, they're a big showcase for Hank. Dean's just kind of going to school, and then you've got uh, Doc adjusting to a new situation. Mm-hmm. And Brock's back with the family, but I don't want to give too much away. Okay. Because it, it's major... It Season 6 had a big um, setting shift. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is big spoilers for the end of the uh, Gargantua 2 special that starts it off. Got it. Uh, so I don't want to... But it was also pretty heavily featured in the marketing, so you you probably know it, it's set in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won't tell you why it's set in New York, but it, it's set in New York. Okay. Oh. Um, Let's all see. Yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, I don't have too much else to say. Neither do I. Okay, we're gonna, uh, 
Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just looking at the episode uh, titles, and I'm just I'm, I'm remembering them as I look through them, and I'm laughing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Mama's boys. Oh, I I, I don't like Moira. Mm-hmm. Moira's not her name. Is it Moira? It is. It is okay. But um, the fact that Teddy showed the the Teddy Ruxpin. Yeah, that plot the, point that that plot point came back. That's that's wild, man. Yeah. Uh, um. Okay, that's it. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we'll, cl- we'll close this bitch out. We'll see you then. And welcome back for the last time this episode to Acme Podcast Incorporated. I'm still Laser Jane. I'm still joined by Kaiju Emperor. All right. That's that's the episode. We've done some pretty good stuff, some pretty good work here. Uh, yep. If you enjoyed the show, and, where, and if you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, whatever platform you're listening to this on, please review us. Give us, a five, give us five stars. Yeah, we could really use the word of mouth. Um, yeah. Because we, we would like to, you know, make something bigger of this. And with more word of mouth, we could hopefully start being financially compensated through ads or Patreon for doing this, mm-hmm. and... which would allow us to even greaterly, and greaterly is not a word, uh, improve the show even further yes. than we can with your word of mouth. Possibly but even it, make it weekly dependent. Yeah, make it weekly, and if we go the Patreon route, if you contribute, we you could get the uh, the episode a day early, yep. or if we can manage to get ads, you can get it ad free that way. Uh, episode day early, ad free, and also you could be shouted out in the episode as someone who contributed to the show. Your name could be read out loud on the show, but. That's for that, when and if Patreon happens. I don't like that one. That that seems like nothing. People like that is the thing. That's such a stupid thing to like. Wow. The this, this show is brought to you by, and then you say the name of a patron. Like, what's wrong with okay. that? Okay, sure, with yeah. That? It just seems like a... a Stupid reason to give money to something. Well, I mean that's uh, it's just one of the reasons. It's one of the things. It's not like the thing. Yeah, I was going to suggest. Uh, what my idea was, uh, every month, uh, three people would be cho- three patrons would be chosen, uh, like through random number generator, to nominate uh, three different shows for us to do. Uh, an episode on, and then we would open up voting to the rest of the patrons. I mean, yeah, that's also a thing we could do. Like, it's, yeah. there's nothing stopping us from doing all of these things. Yeah, I just think shout-outs are stupid, personally. Well, I mean, whatever. That's, I mean, if the patrons want it, then they want it. But that's for when and if. Yeah, that's for when and if. Alright. Uh, but, until such time as we can do that, if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us, you can email us, sorry, you can email us at acmepodcastinc at gmail.com. Can I get that back one more time? That's acmepodcastinc at gmail.com. Yep, you can also find us on Twitter at at, podca- at inc podcast, that's at I-N-C-P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S, uh, that's at inc podcast. You can also find us on Tumblr. Kai, tell them more about that. 
Uh, you can find us on Tumblr at uh, acmepodcasts.tumblr.com. That's acmepodcasts.tumblr.com. The app yep, and open. Okay. Yes? I, w- I was just going to, before we got to the ask, I was just going to say, just check. There's no emails. There's no DMs. Let's look at the ask box. In the ask box, we have an ask. Anonymous asks, what's a piece of animated media you remember seeing as a kid that no one else seems to remember? That's a really good question. Hmm. Very good question. I... Uh... Well, Pirates of Darkwater, but... Mm. Up until about a month or two ago, I would have said Captain Simeon and the Space Monkeys. Mm-hmm. But I've actually run into a couple people who have seen it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, we talked about one of them already on the show, which is uh, Freddy the Frog or FRO7. Oh, yeah. Nobody fucking remembers that shit. Nobody. No. For a good reason. Yeah, for good reason. Fucking God. Um, but... Oh, fucking, what was it called? Um, it was on really late at night on Toon Disney a lot of times. Toad Patrol. No one remembers that fucking show. Toad Patrol? No one. Absolutely fucking nobody remembers it. I've never even heard of this. Yeah, because it, it was like on at like 3 a.m. on like Toon Disney. What the fuck? Yeah, right? Yeah, the, the premise is it's about a bunch of toad, like a toad, like a bunch of little toad kids, and they're trying to get to a specific place, like migrate, because if the toads don't get to a specific place at a certain time, they turn into toadstools. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. But at least that's what I remember. It's it's whack. Huh. All right. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Uh, what else? I know there's another one. I feel like I never hear anyone talk about Two Stupid Dogs, but I feel like everyone remembers it. They just don't feel like talking about it. Yeah, that's true. It's nothing worth talking about, truly. Yeah, but it was funny at the time. Super Duper Sumos. That's another one I've never heard of. That, yep. Super Duper Sumos. Uh, fucking, uh... Penny the Shark. Although I know people who do remember that show. So. Eh. It was on uh, Discovery Kids. Uh, along with uh, Tuttenstein. Okay. <laughs> Look, I'm really... I think you watched Edutainment far longer than I did. Is the These thing. aren't Edutainment shows. They were just cartoons that happened to be on Discovery Kids. Okay. Like, there was no entertainment to it at all. Okay. Is the thing. 
that was also okay. where you saw um, Growing Up Creepy. Oh, okay. Yeah, Growing Up Creepy was on there. At least I think that's what that show was called. Growing Up. I, I think we've talked about this before and we discovered it was. Yes, Growing Up Creepy. Yeah. All right. Yeah. The girl who was raised by bugs. Yeah. Right. 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 Uh, same. Cha- same channel. This isn't really the same thing. It's not animation. Well, one of them is. But I remember being weirdly invested in Face from Nick Jr. Oh, okay. Despite being way outside of the age range, for the target demographic for Face. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing was Stick Stickly mm. on Nickelodeon. Yeah, I do vaguely remember that. Like they 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 started doing like ad- the adventures of Stick Stickly as interstitials. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what this is from, but do you remember Inside Out Man? Sounds familiar. There, it's about a boy who swung on the swings so fast that he went around a bunch. Like yeah. he just started spinning out of control. Right, yeah. And his insides became his outsides. Right, yeah. It was on Nickelodeon or whatever. It was like shorts. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. I vaguely remember that. I think it was also on Kablam. I think it predates Kablam. I remember being far younger. Yeah, remember Kablam? Yeah. I've rewatched Kablam. The one, the one segment I always remember from Kablam is the the uh, the the one about the the action figures. Action Force Now, I believe. The action Force Now, and I remember the Mighty Melting Man. Yeah, Melt Man. Melt Man. Uh, I I always liked uh, Prometheus and Bob. Oh, yeah, I like Prometheus and Bob. And um, God. I think there was one other segment that was always on there all the time. I remember it was like the girl with the pigtails and it was like paper cutout type animation looking. I forget what it was called. Are you thinking Anna Anaconda? No, no, Anna, Angela Anaconda. No. That's no. Uh, Life with Loopy. No. Life with Loopy, yes! Yeah. It's like a precursor to that. Almost. Yeah, precursor to Angela Anaconda, yeah. Life with Loopy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. All right. We got, so that's that. We got there. Yep. All right. But uh, that, that's how you can get in contact with the show. If you want to get in contact with one of us specifically, Kai, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kaiju underscore Emperor. That's K-A-I-J-U underscore E-M-P-E-R-O-R. You can find me on Tumblr. The Kaiju Dash Emperor, spelled the exact same way. And those are retweets, reblogs, things I like. Mostly art, animation, dumb memes. Uh, but if you want anything original from me, you can go to my side blog on Tumblr, and it's mostly D&D tabletop stuff, where I post D&D subclasses and uh, have big thinks about D&D stuff and tabletop-related things. Uh, it's called Kai's Tome. That's K-A-I-S-T-O-M-E. And currently at the moment, my most recent homebrew that I've posted on there 
was a paladin subclass uh, called the Oath of Night, hmm. where it's a paladin all about uh, protecting travelers as they travel through the darkness and using the power of the stars and the moon. And basically uh, being a dex stealth paladin as opposed to a more uh, heavy armor classical paladin. Alrighty. Yep. So if you want to check that out, you can go go to my side blog. Alright. Uh, if you want to Get in contact with me. You've got Twitter, and you can find me at Turbo Honcho. That's at T-U-R-B-O-H-O-N-C-H-O. That's at Turbo Honcho. Uh, but that's it for this week. So until next time, don't be a jackass. We'll see you then. Bye!